Welcome, everyone, to the Robin Walters Show. God bless you today. Uh, you know, I'm going to start off with just a little tiny bit of good news. I mean, it's always good news when a state does this. I'm a big states guy. Not I'm a guy about big states, but I'm big on states' rights, which you probably know by now. But the state of West Virginia, I think they're the Mountaineers, if I'm not mistaken. They now have become, what, the eighth or the ninth state to throttle the tranny agenda, prohibiting transgender surgeries, body mutilation, breast removal, the whole nine yards of gross stuff of which the people who do it should be tried, convicted, and probably executed after a fair trial. Mind you, after a fair trial. I think they're the eighth or the ninth state. These are the states that will be part of leaving the union should that happen, which is where I want to pick up from last week. Because if you heard the, the program last week, the program was titled A Nation Already Divided, question mark. But it was drawing on the scripture about a, a nation divided against itself cannot stand. And so I think there were some people thinking that when I'm calling for a secession of the more godly states and let the other ones fend for themselves, thinking that what I was saying was actually contrary to scripture. It is not. The reason being, that is not the divide of the nation. The divide of the nation is what has been happening and is happening. The nation is already divided. You see, so God divided Judah and Benjamin, those two tribes from the other ten tribes, as we mentioned last week in 1 Kings 11, 11. God did that. He wouldn't do something that violates his own word. But he separated the ten evil, the, that ten tribes that were focused on Baal worship, uh, child sacrifice from the two tribes that had a semblance of righteousness. He did it. So when you look at this, this is not a case of encouraging the division of a nation. This is a matter of trying to preserve that portion of a nation which is not wholly given in to the evil perpetrated by Democrats. And I want to say, you know, I've called them Democrats for about, I don't know, seven, eight years now. At the time, it seemed cute. It seemed somewhat appropriate. Now it appears that it was prophetic, the use of that word. And I'm glad to hear from various radio listeners who use the term regularly. It fits more than ever. Emissaries from the pit of hell, led by the chief evil one at this point, Joe Biden. If he actually had a brain, he'd be yet more evil. But he's got enough to know the evil he does. And, um, you know, if Joe croaked today without anything more, he's going to hell. If you say, oh, you can't judge him. Well, wait a second. The Bible says you shall know the tree by its fruit. And when you hear the rest of the fruit today, 
It's difficult to imagine without a confession of sins, a deathbed conversion, that that Joe's got a very special place reserved for him in hell unless he changes. You can't tell me that everything this guy believes, there's nothing he believes that's in line with the Word of God. In fact, it's he's a fist in the face to the Word of God. You can't tell me that's the way to get to heaven. If you live for the devil, guess what? You die with the devil. Pretty strong, huh? Well, I'll stick with it. But back to the issue at hand. We are a nation already divided. You know, uh, the last couple years, we have had the greatest amount of people, highest percentage of people in the United States moving for political reasons. And like I said last week, secession isn't a division. It's more like a divorce. And it's intended to forestall, actually, the possibility of violence. The possibility of violence in the United States is high. Well, we already have it. Launched by the Democrats, whether it's BLM, what a pack of losers. Antifa, pack of losers. Democrats, pack of losers. Violence, burning, looting, murders. Then add to that all of the abortions they want to enshrine as a fundamental constitutional right to slaughter up your children to Molech. And then destroying the children after they're born by trying to get them to mutilate their own bodies without telling their parents. More on that later. How could we be more ripe for judgment? And as I mentioned a couple weeks ago, you and I do what we need to do. Our God, our God will sustain us. But like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said to Nebuchadnezzar, our God will deliver us. But even if he doesn't, even if he doesn't, we aren't serving you. Think again. Well, I'd like to think that there are more than 10% of the Christians who actually would give up their lives for the faith. But I'm not so convinced. We're kind of a namby-pamby, wussy country, and the Christians are leading the pack in a lack of gutlessness. Compromisers of the first order, they want to have an appearance of godliness, as it says in Scripture, but deny the power thereof. So, secession is actually an attempt to leave peaceably. None of this is about trying to overthrow the federal government. None of this is about an insurrection, which we did not have on January 6th. No way. As the videos are out, we now know what the lies are that the left were not, left was telling. People on the panel, the January 6th panel, are now saying, well, we never saw this. We never saw that because losers like Liz Cheney and then the cronies that Pelosi nominated, weren't there to shed light. They were there to conceal light, shed darkness, conceal the truth. And now you've got, I mean, you know what? If, if I had a restaurant and Liz Cheney walked in, I'd tell her to get out. And get out fast before I called the cops because she's trespassing in a righteous business establishment. I'm not kidding. Yeah, they're Democrats, but even worse are those who act like Democrats and call themselves Republicans. They're actually the worst. The Democrats are lost. 
evil, wicked, manipulating, deceiving, contriving, murderous. But when Republicans add like that, you can add act like that. You can add one other thing, or so-called Republicans, hypocrites. Two groups of people, Jesus particularly reviled, hypocrites. Gosh, I think in one passage in Matthew he uses it about ten or eleven times, and those who abuse children. Those are the two that Jesus calls out for particular condemnation. So if you if a, if a state could leave peaceably, let's suppose Texas leaves, and then Oklahoma, South Dakota, North Dakota, Alabama, Tennessee, or Caroline, and, and any other place maybe south of the Mason-Dixon line, as that song goes, with the possible exception of North Carolina, which is compromised terribly. Tennessee, Kentucky, throw in Missouri, Wyoming, maybe Arizona, maybe Idaho, maybe Montana, maybe Alaska. It would just be a quiet departure. If there's war, it's because the left has waged it. It'll be because that they said, you can't leave and doggone it, we're going to blow your brains out if you try. That would be the left's war of aggression. So will secession invariably lead to peace between the two nations, the two resulting nations? No, it could be that the the left acts like uh, Putin and tries to take back over any country that actually had the guts to get up and leave. I mentioned last week that the sort of city-state of Libna revolted against Judah because Judah was violating the Lord's commandments. And God never condemned Libna. There's no indication that God condemned Libna for leaving. It didn't try to overthrow Judah. Judah, that's a big difference. Like I said, the secession is like a divorce. You have a divorce when things have gotten so bad that to continue in the marriage, somebody's going to get hurt, beaten, shot, killed, you name it. The parties separate to establish a certain level of peace between themselves. You see, the war doesn't start after the divorce. The war starts before it, or a divorce that really, at least a separation, let me put it that way, that should have taken place, and it doesn't. So the leaving of certain states from the United States is actually a forestall of civil war. However, it cannot be prevented because who knows what the left does. And that's why we need to be two nations is because we cannot stand as we're presently constituted. What fellowship does light have with darkness, with righteousness, with Belial? That's not to say that the good states are perfect. Far from it. And as I said, if they don't leave for the right reason, they will fail. For some of the same reasons that the other states are failing is because of a lack of moral guidance. So the division of Israel, which I mentioned, was from 1 Kings 11, 11. And then uh, the reference to Libna, if you've got a, a pencil, pen, you want to, might want to take a note. It's 2 Chronicles 25.10. And so if you want to read about divorce being the right escape, meaning as in a, a secession, that's from Jeremiah 
Because when God divorced Israel, he hates divorce. He says he hates divorce. But you can do something that you hate doing because you have to do it. And God divorced Israel so that it could go out on its own, find out that without God it has no protection, it's going to get shellacked by foreigners, be civil unrest, murder, all sorts of moral wickedness, and they would eventually repent for what they could not deny was the result of their own decisions. So that's why divorce can sometimes be the last and final act of attempted reconciliation. The parties part, the wrong party suffers, in this case, the, the, the left-wing states suffer. They see the prosperity and the success of the good states. And there'll be people that say, look, we, we're done trying to make up reasons for the success of the good states. Maybe it's our sin. Maybe it becomes the tool of reconciliation. And I instructed uh, just how that would go, and I don't need to re return to the process there. But, you know, um, Elisha told the woman whose son he had healed to get out of Dodge because there was a famine coming. It's time to move, time to leave. And there, there are reasons to go. And in Second Chronicles eleven fourteen, you will want to read this. It's pretty instructive. Second Chronicles eleven fourteen, the Hebrew priests that were stationed in the ten tribes of Israel, which were stuck on sin, loved sin, promoted sin, subsidized sin, sort of like Joe Biden, those priests fled. And where did they go to? They went to the then righteous areas of Judah and Benjamin. I don't know if they all left, but the Scripture seems to indicate that a lot of them did lead leave because they left the wickedness of which they would have to partake in some fashion, even if no more than subsidizing it through your taxes. And they left. They wanted to be of a part of a state, a nation that was more like-minded with their biblical beliefs, knowing that their time was short if they were to stay where they are and that they would be of no effect in changing that nation. And if I have time, I want to finish. I have a bookend to this opening for the end. And last, Scripture says the prudent man sees a danger ahead and hides himself. So why would we go do this? Well, you know, I said there's but I think we're up to 73 reasons to impeach Joe Biden. But from giving our U.S. sovereignty to the World Health Organization to decide, which he's done, when we to dictate lockdowns, to dictate vaccination mandates. They aren't vaccination, they're shots. Jabs, to dictate social distancing, and to even dictate surveillance. So we've got, who do we have? We have a liar-in-chief in Joe Biden. This is just blows me. This is the degree of his evil and his wickedness. He came out the other day and he said he has been a fan and supporter of homosexual marriage since the 1950s. Okay? Quote here 
from the Washington Post. Uh, quote, in an interview Tuesday, Joe Biden told perhaps a biggest whopper of lies to date, claiming that he has actively supported gay marriage since 1959. He said he had an epiphany when he saw two well-dressed men in suits kissing. Seriously? If I saw that, I would puke. Now, would it be a hate crime? Well, if I puked on the two guys? How could it be? A, well, I don't think it would be. Because it's an involuntary action. Hate crime has to be voluntary. So if you throw up Barf Ralph on two, uh, two queers doing that, which God calls an abomination... If I see it, I am down to about one hour of TV a week. I can't stand the ads. I can't, you don't know, you could be watching Wheel of Fortune and you got a couple of queers coming on there doing something and it makes me want to pull an Elvis Presley with his TV set. And you know what he did with that, with multiple TV sets. So he said, uh, this, is his, this is Joe's story. I hadn't thought much about it, to tell you the truth, but I was a senior in high school, and my dad was dropping me off, and I remember I was about to get out of the car, and I looked to my right, and there were two well-dressed men in suits. They kissed each other. I mean, they gave each other a kiss. One looked like he intended to head into a one building, and one headed to the Hercules Corporation building. And I'll never forget. Never forget. What a pile of crap. What you meant to say, I will never remember. He said, I'll never forget. I turned and looked at my dad. He said, Joey, it is simple. They love each other. It's simple. I'm not joking. It's simple. They love each other. It's never been. It's just that simple. It doesn't matter whether it's a same-sex or a heterosexual couple. They should be able to be married. <coughs> this is such a ridiculous pile of crapola. Joe lies through every orifice of his body, mouth, nose, ears, and you can fill in the other orifices. So Joe had this big epiphany. In 1959. Well, tell me, Joe, if that's the way you were in 1959, why in the 1990s did you support the Defense of Marriage Act that stated that the only legal union as of a marriage was between a man and a woman? Joey. Jeez. Then you go over to... Um, it just gets worse. You go down to Cami Harris. No, you know what? I'll get to her in a minute. Uh, I don't want to uh, cut Joe short of his due time here. So do you think he's going to hell? I don't know. We don't have to judge him, but uh, he, it's, it's, somebody needs to lead him to the Lord, or he will go to hell. He's not there now. I don't see how you could listen to this one. So two years into Biden's presidency, he couldn't give a rip about the border. He couldn't give a rip about anything. He spends all of the money we don't have on the Ukraine to protect their border and doesn't protect ours. And his primary concerns are making sure that we can slaughter our children inside of our womb, inside the wombs, and then uh, uh, advancing all sorts of bodily mutilation for minors. Now, by and large, what Joe supports is what the ten tribes of evil, meaning slash the ten tribes of Israel, were separated from the two righteous tribes for. So if God looks at the ten tribes of Israel, which were stuck, stuck on child sacrifice, 
Why would he look on Joe Biden any differently? I simply cannot comprehend how you can be saved and support this man, what he says. And then when Florida does things right about prohibiting the bodily mutilation of minors, Joe called it the other day, using his words, cruel to prevent children from making their own decisions without their parents present. In other words, being led by some stupid, woke, left-wing, hell-bent teacher to some tranny center. (sighs) When they do that, and the parents are cut out, which we'll get to it here in just a minute, and Joe, it reacts to states that ban puberty blockers, hormone therapy, bodily mutilation, surgeries for patients under 18. He calls it cruel. And then what did he go on to say? In his words, it's, it's close to sinful. That's right. This is Joe Biden saying that preventing children eight, nine, ten years old, because Joe thinks at eight years old, you're old enough to make a decision to be castrated or have your breasts removed or something. How do you how do you get to heaven believing that? How do you? This these are these are one of the two things that Jesus hates the most. The abuse of children, have the millstone tied around your neck and be cast in the sea, than to lead one of these little ones astray. And not only are you leading these little ones astray, while you're leading them astray in their spirit and in their emotions and in their psyche, you're also mutilating them. And to call it almost sinful, almost sinful to prevent children from mutilating making decisions to have their bodies mutilated. I'll tell you what is sinful are the ones who deserve hell leading these children to these medical centers. Who's getting them there? If their parents are against it and they don't even know about it, who's getting these children there? Why don't you look up union teachers? Teachers not in Christian schools. They aren't teachers. There's teachers of ungodliness at the very best, going to some health nurse or something with a school who trots the child off for an abortion or castration or what have you, these people, after a fair trial, should be executed. Gosh. 71% of the people in a very trustworthy survey said it's their concern, angry, or upset about the efforts to expose children to transgender ideology. That doesn't surprise me. The surprise is that there's 29% or almost one-third of the population that thinks it's absolutely fine. My goodness. Quoting here, from TV to TikTok to drag shows, trans curriculum in schools, our children and our grandchildren are being bombarded daily with transgender ideology. But it doesn't stop there. Doctors are now routinely prescribing powerful drugs to kids as puberty blockers without FDA approval for such use. And I might add, in many cases now, without parental approval, because California 
California is calling for those miners who want to be trannyized, in other words, destroy their bodies, regret it later, and have a ridiculously higher rate of suicide, to come to California where they will be- take care of uh, essentially killing that child because, um, gee, too, uh, unfortunately the child actually made it out of the womb alive. So we'll finish that child off here in the state of California. But almost sinful to prohibit child mutilation? Cruel? Now, if you think it gets better as you move down the uh, food chain here to Cammie Harris, her husband, the guy that was foolish enough to marry the woman who um, fornicated her way into public office with Willie Brown, but that's another story. The depth of depravity, just when you think you've gotten there, you aren't. You haven't. Because, uh, what's his name? Doug Emhoff. This is Cammie's husband. What does he say the other day? I just have to read this to you. Quote, his quote. I met one woman who was saved in the Holocaust in Germany, settled in Ukraine, is now a refugee again back in Berlin, where she originally left as a Jew in the Holocaust. These are the stories that are happening out there. Well, first of all, uh, Doug, the Holocaust was a long time ago. That's not the story happening out there right now. We'll be soon because the persecution of Jews continues to pick up, but that's a lie right there. These are the stories that are happening out there, and so this stuff is so important. Well, what stuff? I mean, look, the Holocaust happened. It was horrible. It should never be forgotten. But it doesn't have to be dragged up as something that's going on now. But that's only the beginning. The hate is interconnected because you see it in the discourse in the country right now. Yeah, I'll I'll interject yes from the left. Quoting, you see it in the divide that we have. Just going to the school meetings, you see that hate, that is out there. We've got to step up and speak out. We've got to call out the cowards out there. People, as my wife likes to say, these so-called leaders. She's right, because you can't be a leader in leadership if you're not going to lead. Well, goodness sakes. Are you, You're calling your wife kind of the whore of the Bay Area a leader or that she can lead? But let's, what, what has he done? M. Hoff has compared the prosecution and persecution of Jews during the Holocaust to parents going to a school board meeting to stick up for the right, their rights and the rights of their children. Are you kidding me? Emhoff, what a brain-dead, witless, evil man. You are comparing parents. That's what we have. That's what we said. You see it right here. Just go to the school meetings. You see that that hate is out there. That hate what? The same kind of hate. Well, the hate is by the school board towards the kids. The hate is by the teachers and the principals and administrators towards all things godly. The hate are those who are bibliophobic and Christophobic sitting on their tushes behind some big long desk while they sit there and dismiss the concerns of parents as though they should be the real parent because they think they are. 
parents wanting to protect the bodies and the minds and souls of their children are to be compared with the Nazis persecuting the Jews? Are you serious, Emhoff? And then he goes on to say, we got to step up and speak out. What the heck do you think the left has been doing? You own all the universities. You own all of the media, just about. You own all of the industries. When I, I don't think I'll get to it today when I read to you all of the woke LGBT companies that you're buying products from. All of the big mouthpieces are on the left. But because the truth is so strong, because the truth is so vital, the truth has such power, it takes so little truth to dispel so much lie. you got a big, dark garage. can't see the fingers in front of your hand at two inches. But you light a lighter or a match, and all of a sudden, there's a measure of light somehow cast throughout all that darkness. That's how little light it takes to break down darkness. And that's why they say we got to speak out. And why do they have to speak out? Because they own 99% of everything from industry to media to academia to entertainment to now sports. Speaking out to the left means we have to go from 99% dominance to 100%. We have to snuff out that match lit in the garage. Yeah, he says, so we got to step up and speak out. we got to call out the cowards out there. Cowards? The people that go to school boards meetings are cowards? The ones that get hauled out of there? The guy who stands in front of a pregnancy center? Oh, gosh. We'll be right back. i got to carry it away. The Robin Walter Show is a listener-supported program. Your contribution goes to help as many people as possible to hear that the Word of God has answers to help you survive and even thrive in the dark days ahead in this country. We pledge to bring you the critical information you need to make informed decisions in this age where big tech and big media have conspired to rid our country of everything Christian. Please send your support to Red Sky Radio, P.O. Box 99, Wickenburg, Arizona, 85358. That's Red Sky Radio, P.O. Box 99, Wickenburg, Arizona, 85358. Thank you. Well, I think my dog's a Democrat. And it breaks my heart to have to say an ugly thing like that. But there's a big old pile of evidence that all points towards the fact my dog might be. We're back. I wish I could have finished that thought. I didn't even see the break coming up. But I want to finish off this Emhoff comment. He's calling the conservative, the righteous people, the Christians, the cowards. Cowards? What are we running from? Well, some Christians are cowards because they're running from you, Amahoff. And your crappy, whoring wife, she's a brave one, who one that doesn't have the guts to go down the border and she's in charge of it. The one who can't keep a staffer because everybody's embarrassed by all of her screw-ups because she can't read a cue card any better than somebody who's brain-dead like Joey Cornpop, her boss. 
You know, I'm thinking, well, I'm thinking all the time. It's a problem. I don't sleep as well as I should. Think too much. I got to save that for another program. But this is how bad, really, truly, truly bad it is. But the left always calls the right names and things that the left is guilty of. It's the same old blame shifting. It's kind of like, you know, when Adam blamed Eve, said, hey, I wouldn't, you know, I ate that. It's that wife you gave me, God, that made that talked me into eating the apple. The blame shifting started in the Garden of Eden, and it has only picked up steam in <laughs> the intervening time. This is life under Joey Cornpop because we now have funneled, fueled, advocated, subsidized by the federal government what I would call an August Myrat, if I pronounced that, I like this term, toxic feminism. We've heard about toxic masculinity, but now we have toxic feminism. And the author here writes that this isn't the only thing making teenage girls sad. The combination of social media and transgenderism makes them feel miserable. A new survey by the Center for Disease Control and Prevention revealed a serious spike in the last couple of years in depression among teenage girls. I hope you're sitting down for this. 30% of teenage girls, 30% in the last two years have considered committing suicide. Thank you, Joey Cornpop, for leading the nation and the world in crimes against humanity, meaning the daughters of this once great nation. We are not a great nation, folks. Once were, but now. We, it's not like I was blind, but now I see. This is I once was great, but now I'm lost. Myrat states, he says, what's especially troubling about this report is how it runs counter to today's conventional wisdom. After all, our society allegedly celebrates women more than ever and offers abundant opportunities to girls. Furthermore, women are doing much better than men in some crucial areas. They outnumber men in colleges. They outnumber men in the workplace. Moreover, strong female protagonists abound in popular movies, television shows. Women have more representation in politics and in sports. Schools continuously push girls to achieve and break glass ceilings. No longer do girls live in a world where they're expected to find a husband, have children, and submit to that lifelong domestic drudgery because they can do anything. Now, of course, the fact that girls are more unhappy than ever now raises some serious questions about the feminist arguments. Would doubling down on attacks on men, ineffective diversity quotas in the boardroom, and expanded access to abortion help young girls? Fair question, isn't it? I mean, we've done. Society is doing everything. We have the pink deal for breast cancer. 
But where has there ever been a, a holiday, a football game, a representation, a, a, a thing for with blue on it for men with prostate cancer? Never. I'm not lamenting that. We don't need that. But his point is well taken. He said, women being, in this case, young girls, are being shamed into a lifestyle they do not enjoy. Rather than wanting to imitate the girl bosses they see on the screen, many simply feel insulted by them. Rather than experiencing liberation by working outside the home, they are experiencing endless tedium and boredom. Related to the problem of social media is a transgenderism movement which argues that sex is fluid, that changing one's sex will make someone happier. And I want to interject, so this is why women... Are, that have, girls have gotten so screwed up by teachers and society and social media, but starting with the government schools, are where want to be boys and thinking that they are, which of course they aren't. But then there's the big claim when then men start faking it like they're girls. They're bigger, they're stronger, they can shoot the basketball farther, they can outmuscle any girl under the boards, and girls feel the the liberation has not liberated women. It's actually subjected them to a false sense of equality. Those are my words. Thank you, God. This idea, now I'm quoting again, this idea has been incredibly destabilizing for feminine and female identity and has led to the whole wide-scale invasion of women's spaces. Either a girl will begin to identify as a boy to win approval and sympathy from others, or she will cheer on the confused men who beat them in their sports, change in their locker rooms, and boast that they are more authentically female than biological women. Boy, these are just this is just one of these articles I, I say. They're so good. Continuing, as for those who reject transgenderism as an irreversible forfeiture of one's womanhood or a shameless appropriation of it, they will be subjected to charges of bigotry and all that it entails. They are labeled as trans-exclusionary radical feminists or TERFs, T-E-R-F. There's even a name for these girls who dare, dare to stand up for godly values. Trans-exclusionary radical feminists who, who are actively harming trans people with their hateful views. Hateful that a woman is a woman and a man is a man. Thus, transgenderism becomes a catch-22 that either irreversibly damages the girls who buy into it or stigmatizes those who reject it. Until one can thread the needle between these two pitfalls, it will remain an ongoing dilemma that continues to drag down already vulnerable young women dealing with the stresses of adolescence. And I need to add my own bottom line to this. Society will not let girls be girls. They simply won't. Lest those pushing this upon the girls be ashamed for their own sins and for their own failures by comparison. That's what it's about. Those who are activated, animated, and filled by the spirit of the dark side do so because if they can get other people to do what they have done and worse, 
then they feel better about their own sinful behavior. And actually, I'm going to tell you, uh, this is something I just feel like I was given here. There's something missing. There are a lot of things missing in the pulpits. One of the things missing in the pulpits is the issue of judgment and the teaching of going to hell. Everybody wants to be seeker-friendly and keep people happy and just do all the really uh, cozy, fuzzy messages. There is a place for that, but there's a place for the rest of the truth. Why this is sin. Why these people are headed to hell and those people sitting in the congregation are too. Unless you let Jesus into your heart and then transform your heart. If your heart isn't transformed, then you never let Jesus in to begin with, notwithstanding uh, your rush to the altar. If nothing changes in your life, you cannot have the God of the universe, the God who spoke the world into existence, come into you and nothing changes. What a pile of crapola that is from the devil. Okay, next. I think we're going to get to it. I call out companies that I don't like anymore. I read about companies that uh, are pushing everything immoral on this nation, mostly in the LGBTQ, RSTUVWXYZ universe. I started with great vigilance and diligence about 15 up to about eight years ago. There was about a seven-year period. I would regularly quote the Human Rights Campaign and their Equality Index, where they try to force, by i.e., by shaming corporations into accepting a queer ideology, queer preference, queer everything, lest they be shamed for not being with the times and they would give them a poor rating. Well, why would, let me ask you, why would you want a 100% rating from the devil? Why would you be shamed of a zero rating from the Southern Poverty Law Center or the Human Rights Campaign? Or from the, why would you be ashamed of a zero rating from the ACLU? I would wear it as a badge of pride, honor. Not pride, honor. So what I have said for that seven or eight year period, this is what the Human Rights Campaign through its Corporate Equality Index will do. They will give you 100% if you follow this and you follow that. So the corporations run and do it. They get 100%. And I said way back then, watch them. They will move the goalposts 8 million times, keep moving left, add something else to the requirement, and then go back to Walmart and say, you know, you used to be 100%, but uh, you're only an 82% now on the Corporate Equality Index because you don't support uh, trannyism. You don't support bodily mutilation of, of children's bodies without the presence or approval of their parents. And they keep jerking and yanking these companies farther left. I'm going to read you a list, without any further ado, of companies that have gone to the absolute pit of hell, the bottom of the pit of hell, morally. You take note where you spend your dollars if you want to continue to support them. Some have surprised me, only uh, some I just didn't, I just didn't know. And I'm going to speed through this as quickly as I can. American Airlines. Okay, I've made the switch. I only fly Allegiant. Anheuser-Busch. Well, I don't drink beer anyway, so that's a non, 
that's a nothing. Carmax, Clorox, Coca-Cola, and Pepsi. That does it. I'm done ordering either one of those in a restaurant ever. I'm, I will order Dr. Pepper, which is made by the Keurig company and is not on this list. Del Monte Foods. Forget them. I'll buy ketchup from somebody else. Sorry, I grew up saying ketchup, not ketchup. So uh, since my wife is not hearing this program, I can get away with it. Equitable Life Insurance. Farmers Insurance Group. Not Farm Bureau. Farm Bureau is a great company. And I'll get to a company that I think sucks and I'm switching this week. But Farmers, they're, they're losers. Um, let me see. I just want to get through some that you'll know better. General Mills, GoDaddy, Google. We knew about Google. They've been horrible for a long time. H&R Block. But so is Intuit. They're bad to it. Intuit is into it. Trust me. Hallmark cards. Those overpriced pieces of cardboard. I'm done. And you know what I did the other day? I went uh, for my wife's birthday. I got a big piece of cardboard, and I spent about an hour drawing my own birthday card or my birthday card for my wife, and she loved it. Did it cost me anything? No, but that wasn't the point. It did take me an hour of time, but I put every bit of love into it I could, and she loved it. I'm making my own cards. Forget you, Hallmark. You suck. Hershey, done with their chocolate. Hertz, don't rent from them anymore. Hyatt, uh, Johnson & Johnson. This is amazing. They make baby products, and they fully support the right to slaughter children in the womb. Kellogg Company, Michigan Company. I don't like, they're nothing but sugar, so forget them. Kroger, don't shop there. Land Lakes out of Wisconsin. I won't buy their butter anymore. I don't. Liberty Mutual, I don't buy insurance there. Anyway, Lowe's, forget them. They went bad. I even talked to their corporate office about 10 years ago when they launched onto the Queer Dogma uh, campaign, said I was going to boycott them. So I boycott them for a long time. Mattel, McDonald's. I'll tell you, just go to a mom-and-pop burger stand. You're going to get a better burger. Screw McDonald's. Sorry. Microsoft, the NASDAQ. Well, I'm exiting out of the stock market anyway, which we'll get to in another show as we enter the perilous times and how you need to invest. Nationwide insurance. Nestle. I did not know this till two days ago. I own that stock. I will be selling it on Monday. Office Depot. <clears throat> Papa John's. I almost bought one of those restaurants. Now I'm not going to even eat there. Procter & Gamble. Uh, Shell Oil, don't buy gas there. Sherwin-Williams, I get a discount there from painting I do. I'm going to shift. No more. I get it at Home Depot, which is not perfect, but they're better than Sherwin-Williams. Sony, State Farm. State Farm sucks, and that is too kind of a word. They are horrible. They support tranny shows, drag queen shows. I am uh, changing next week to not farmers, to Farm Bureau. Farm Bureau 
at this point is still a godly company. And you're going to say, well, gosh, you know what? There's We can't buy stuff. Well, search it out. Go to Gab, G-A-B, Inc., uh, Gab.com. You'll find out about an alternative economy that is developing. I buy my shower shampoo and my soap and other stuff now from Dissident Soaps. Dissident Soaps up in Montana. A great company. Righteous company. Do I pay a little more? Yeah, so what? T-Mobile, Tesla, Twitter, UPS, Verizon. I didn't know Verizon was bad. I'm stuck for another year and a half under a contract. Walgreen, Walmart. I've dumped them in favor of Costco. And so there you go. There's a sampling of the companies that have chased the LGBTQRSTUVWXYZ agenda to the max to include sex change operations, body mutilation, drag queen shows, you name it. They're all into it. Now you know, and you can support them with your dollars or not. Right now, I don't get, I don't, I buy as little as possible from Amazon. I buy everything I can from Costco, which is not yet thrown in the towel. When they do, we'll deal with it at that time. So what do you do when it doesn't seem like there's anywhere that you can go? Well, I want to share something here in our closing minutes about the way this country is going. If there is not a secession, if there is not, and we have no place to flee to, like the priests that fled the ten evil tribes of Israel and, and went to Judah and uh, the area of Benjamin. First of all, I take a look at the church of the future. I have every reason to suspect that the church will end as we approach the end in the very same way that it started. Small, mobile, underground in places, light, traveling light, meeting in homes. I have no question about it. You got messages delivered via YouTube, but uh, you know what? That's not going to cut it. You got the growth of Islam. You've got all these other, you've got so many pressures that YouTube will follow the money. So I asked the question of myself, where do I want to be when civil war breaks out, if civil war does break out? Here's the answer. You need to be where God leads or tells you to be. There is no biblical basis for when you must go or when you must stay, except one. And that is when God tells you to go or God tells you to stay. There are biblical examples, actually, on both sides of this issue. Abraham was told by God to get up and leave Ur of the Chaldees, and he did, and he was blessed. But God didn't tell him to leave Israel and go south, so he stayed when, or he left when he was supposed to stay, and he got in trouble with Abimelech. Yeah, God bailed him out. And Lot, he was told to leave. And he wouldn't. The, the angel had to grab him by the scruff of the neck and drag him out of there. Yeah, he, he just hung around, stayed around that old town too long. And, yeah, there were probably many Jews in Germany. Why they lost everything was because they stayed too long when they should have left. There are many uh, biblical examples of leaving 
or fleeing, fleeing. David did twice. Elijah fled. Joseph and Mary fled. Jesus fled. Paul fled Ephesus and other places. So are the reasons for going biblical and are the reasons for staying biblical? I want to share something with my all my brothers and sisters in California. If you're supposed to stay, stay. But weather is not a biblical reason for staying. That's what got Lot in a pickle, right? He looked and lusted for the well-watered, green, fertile valley of Sodom and Gomorrah. Well, the fact of the matter is, you have to ask yourself, is there something pushing you as maybe a flight to safety? Or is there something tugging you maybe as an opportunity? God will move in your life to direct you. But if you're hanging around for the weather and the beach and you just accept further encroachments upon your liberty and your kids are getting screwed up because the schools in California are so utterly um, inappropriate. In fact, you send your child to a government school in California, it's child neglect, child endangerment, child abuse, as far as I'm concerned. But when you do make a move, a godly move, be prepared for discouragement. It, it's happened every time. You have to deal with a certain level of discouragement. I'm not looking for Shangri-La. We aren't. But what, what we're look, like Abraham, looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. The Israelites were told to move from Egypt to a land flowing with milk and honey, right? And within a couple of days, they were complaining. And they wanted to go back to the bondage of Egypt remembering the leeks and onions by the Nile. You know, we aren't uh, necessarily nomads, and we certainly aren't Bedouins, but we are this. We are pilgrims. Our home isn't our real home. It's just temporary lodging for wherever you are. If God has called you to go, you go because he has a work for you elsewhere. If he has a work for you where you are, you stay. And if safety becomes an issue, then you have to make a decision just what you do. Do you stay or do you, or is the cause great enough that you would sacrifice your life? Maybe you flee to the hills of Judea when that time has arrived. And on your way out, you don't even get to go back in your house to grab your computer. No. But I can say one time, one thing where you must leave. If your children are at risk, read Deuteronomy 6. That's your assignment this week. Deuteronomy 6, and you will see what God has said about the duties of the parents to their children. That the word of the Lord should be before them, and they're sitting down, and they're getting up, and they're coming in, and they're going out. The word of God would be as frontlets upon their, uh, upon their head before their eyes. If you don't do that, you are actually participating in a less visible form of child child sacrifice, meaning you've turned them over to a culture that hates you, but they can't get at you, but they can get at your son and your daughter, and they will, with their goal being this. As it says in Scripture, they will go about attempting to turn your children 
into twice the child of hell that they are. You follow Deuteronomy 6 and you'll be well served no matter where you are. Robin Walter encouraging you to sit tall in the saddle, America. Remember, you ride for the brand, the brand of Jesus Christ. God bless you. We'll see you next week.